Our dear loving Father in heaven, thank you for giving us this wonderful opportunity for our ears to be blessed in hearing your word. We pray, Father, that not just our ears will be blessed, but that our life will be blessed, that you will give us power, that as we hear your word through the power of your Holy Spirit, we shall be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A lot is dependent on me, O Lord. Please grant me of your spirit and put your words in my mouth that I may speak words that will will edify and bless your children. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. That I may know him. February 19. Will you let him in? The Lord had appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. The work dearest to the heart of Christ is that of drawing souls to him. Look at Jesus, the majesty of heaven. What do you behold in his life history? His divinity clothed with humanity, a whole life of continual humility, the doing of one act of condescension after another, a line of continual descent from the heavenly courts to a world all seared and marred with the curse, and in a world unworthy of his presence, descending lower and still lower, taking the form of a servant to be despised and rejected of men, obliged to flee from place to place to save his life, and at last betrayed, rejected, crucified. Then, as sinners for whom Jesus suffered more than the power of mortal can portray, shall we refuse to humble our proud will? Study day and night the character of Christ. It was his tender compassion, his inexpressible, unparalleled love for your soul that led him to endure all the shame, the revilings, the abuse, the misapprehensions of earth. Approach nearer him, behold his hands and his feet, bruised and wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Lose no time, let not another day pass into eternity. But just as you are, whatever your weakness, your unworthiness, your neglect, delay not to come now. The call of Jesus to come to him, the presentation of a crown of glory that faded not away, the life, the eternal life that measures with the life of God has not been of sufficient inducement to lead you to serve him with your undivided affections. Be no longer on Satan's side of the question. Make decided radical changes through the grace given you of God. No longer insult his grace. He is saying with tears, You will not come to me, that ye might have life, 
John chapter 5 verse 40. Now, Jesus is inviting you, knocking at the door of your heart for entrance. Will you let him come in? Amen. The title of our devotion for today is, Will you let him in? In our previous devotion, we studied about how as sons of God, we are babies and we need to cooperate with God to grow into the fullness of the knowledge of God, of what it means to be a son of God. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13 tells us, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God works in us while we are to work out our salvation. But the question is, will you let him in? Yesterday, we looked at what it means for us to work out our salvation. But we also saw that God wants to work in us. But he's not forcing himself in. We have to let him in. What does it mean to let Jesus in? Did Jesus also have to do a work of letting his father in? If so, how did he do it? The book of John 10 verse 38, we find Jesus saying, But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So here Jesus says the Father was working in him. In John 8 verse 29, he said, And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. So from these two passages, we can see that Jesus said that the Father was in him and he was in the Father. It is, it is automatic. One does not happen and the other is waiting to happen. In other words, for the Father to be in us means that we also are in him. So if we understand what it means for Jesus to be in or abide in the Father, we will know how we can let him in because for you to be in him he must be in you so let us take it from understanding what it means to be in him in john 15 verse 10 jesus said if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love even as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love this was jesus letting his father in he submitted his will to the father he kept his father's commandments and therefore he abode in the father's love what does it mean now for him to be in in the father psalms 40 verse 8 speaking of jesus it says i delight to do thy will O my god yea thy law is within my heart jesus said it is by keeping the commandments that he was abiding in the father and you know that to abide in the father means the father is abiding in you so that means to keep the commandments is what it means to let god to come in now jesus invites us to have the same experience to let the father and let him come in revelation 3 verse 20 behold i stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door i will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Amen. You see, this is Jesus using literary terms to teach a deep lesson. Jesus is in heaven and he's 
in human form, glorified human form. And he cannot enter literally into a human being and live there. But he uses the illustration of the process of entering into a person's house to explain the process of him transforming our lives to become sons of God. We are the house. The door is our mind. The knock on the door represents the pressure of the word of God and of the spirit of God which we hear from the Bible. Jesus is the word. The knocking on the door is the hearing of the word. Jesus entering in represents the permission we grant to the word to change our lives. It is the submission of our will to God to come into our minds and change our ideas, our values, our principles and our character. Jesus illustrates this lesson again when he said in John 15 verse 4 to 7, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. The greatest teacher indeed. Look at how Jesus just used something common. A tree with its branches connected to the, to the vine. As an illustration of how we can understand how we can be in him and bear fruit. You cut out the branch, it gets withered. And what do we do with it? We gather it and we burn it. This brings us to what we studied yesterday. You, it's not once a son of God, always a son of God. You must stay connected. If you are not connected and you cut yourself off, you are no longer a son. You will not bear any fruit. That's why the constant instruction from Jesus is, let me come in and you also come in to me. And while I come in to you, let me come in. Will you let him in? Once again, we see that it is the words because in john 15 verse 7 to understand what it means for christ to come in he said if a man abides in me and he didn't say what he was saying earlier before he said in verse 4 abide in me and i in you so how can he abide in us verse 7 if you abide in me he didn't say and i in you again but he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you do you see the interchange verse 4 abide in me and I in you. Verse 7, abide in me and my words abide in you. So what does it mean for Christ to come in to us and abide in us? It means for his words to have a lodging. It means for him, for his words to transform us. He is knocking on the door and wants to come in and dwell in us. Will we let him in? Will we allow God's words to be our guide and our principles? Will we let's drop our own will and allow god's will which is his law because that's what we saw psalms 40 verse 8 i delight to do thy will oh my god yet thy law is abiding in my heart will we drop our own will and allow god's will which is his law to be in our hearts and choose our thoughts for us our words and our actions by every means the answer should be yes We need to let Jesus in for this is the only way we can remain, in fact, we can become the sons of God and remain the sons of God. 
1 John 2 verse 24 tells us, Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. Amen. What is it that should abide in us to let him in? That which we have heard from the beginning, the word. Let him come in. Let the word have a lodging in your heart. And what will be the result of this? Verse 28. And now, little children, abide in me. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Amen. If we let Jesus come in, we will have confidence. We will not be ashamed. We will not be afraid to hear of the second coming of Jesus. Many people here today hear Jesus is coming and they are jittery. They are afraid. But if we abide in the Lord, we will look forward to his coming and we will not be ashamed. But abiding in Jesus and he in us is a humbling experience that many do not want to do. It means to practice his teachings and be meek and lowly in heart. We read something beautiful in our devotion that I may know him, page 56, paragraph 2. It's a motivation that we should look and behold Jesus and be motivated by the things he did and submit just like he submitted. It says, look at Jesus, the majesty of heaven. What do you behold in his life history? His divinity clothed with humanity, a whole life of continual humility, the doing of one act of condescension after another, a line of continual descent from the heavenly courts to a world all seared and marred with a curse, and in a world unworthy of his presence, descending lower and and still lower, taking the form of a servant to be despised and rejected of men. Obliged, this is the place that touches me, our Lord, our God, obliged to run away, to flee from place to place. For what purpose? To save his life. He was human. He didn't use any divine power to save his life. He fled and he told us if they persecute you in one city, flee into another. He was human. This is the life he lived. Fleeing from place to place to save his life and at last betrayed, rejected, crucified. Then, the lesson here is this, the last part of the reading. As sinners, take note, you are a sinner. Jesus was not a sinner. One who was not a sinner, think about it. Holy, pure, righteous, the, hev- the God of heaven and earth, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, he was running away. The mighty God, the mighty God was running away from men who wanted to kill him. The mighty God was walking on this earth, trekking from place to place, despised and rejected. Do you understand what it means? He was how people regard a servant on the street, people who are just peasants. That's how Jesus was treated. Scarcely a voice would even call him blessed. Do you just look around you? The casual workers, the lowly of the lowly of the world, that's who Jesus was. You could pass by him on the street and you see him just carrying a heavy load on his shoulders and you don't know that you have passed the mighty God. You don't know that that person who is carrying that wood and going to that carpenter shop is the everlasting father. You don't know that that man who continually walks and walking on foot from place to place trekking, you don't know that that person 
is the king of kings you don't know that that man who while he was teaching people were insulting him and mocking him is the lord of lords he submitted his will to his father's will and that was why he passed through all of this that man who was taken betrayed beaten plated with a crown of thorns and the soldiers mocked him to scorn and knelt before him and said king of the jews and laughed at him that man was the creator of heaven and earth then as sinners for whom jesus suffered more than the power of mort- of mortal campotry shall we refuse to humble our proud will in light of all of this you know very well that if you say no it's not a question for you to answer the thing is when you look at all of this you cannot say i will not humble myself and i will not let jesus come in because the reason why we don't want him to come in is because it's a humiliating experience when we put ourselves in the arms of the lord to abide in us and we in him we know that we pass through a lowly humble experience but that's what self doesn't want self does not want to be humbled brothers and sisters we have a work to do in letting jesus in as we see the experience that jesus had to pass through on our behalf we are to humble ourselves in submission to the will of god god cannot come in to work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure unless we submit and let him in james 4 verse 7 to 10 says submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw nigh to god and he will draw nigh to you cleanse your hands ye sinners and purify your hearts ye double-minded be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness humble yourselves in the sight of the lord and he shall lift you up amen the first thing we read in verse 7 says submit yourselves to god what are we to submit to the same thing jesus submitted to we are to submit to the will of god this process as i've said is humbling but we are encouraged that after seeing the majesty of heaven the king of kings lord of lords creator of heaven and earth submit to the most shameful treatment man can receive treated without any dignity we can say it is enough for me to be as my master my master suffered i should not think that i sh- i cannot suffer my master was humbled and therefore it's a glory for me to be humbled my master was one who was treated with scorn and ridicule and for me if it's if i pass through the same thing it's enough for the disciple that he be as his master if they have treated him that way i should expect that i'll be treated that way if i let jesus in and i have to pass through all of this there's no problem reading from youth instructor february 15 1894 paragraph 2 and 3 we are told of what profit is it to say pleasant things to deplore the works of satan and yet at the same time to enter into the fulfillment of all his devices remember we read just not long ago that we should not be double-minded purify your heart you double-minded that's what we're told now this reading says of what profit is it to say pleasant things to deplore the works of satan and yet at the same time to enter into the fulfillment of all his devices 
this is being double-minded. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. There must be a cleansing of the hands and a purifying of the double mind. Be afflicted and weep and mourn. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. It is right to be cheerful and even joyful. It is right to cultivate cheerfulness of spirit through sanctification of the truth. But it is not right to indulge in foolish jesting and joking, in lightness and trifling, in words of criticism and condemnation of others. Those who observe such persons who make a profession of religion know that they are deceived. They know that the hands of such professors need to be cleansed, their hearts need to be purified. They need to experience genuine repentance for sin. What have they to mourn over? They should mourn over their inclination to sin, over the danger they are in from inward corruption and from outward temptation. They should be afraid they have so feeble a sense of the sinfulness of sin and so little idea of what constitutes sin. End of quote. We must let Jesus in, but remember, like what we read now, it is not pro- any profit to us to keep seeing pleasant things and crying down sin and the works of the devil and yet finding ourselves practicing those same things. This is being double-minded, that's what it says, and we must let Jesus in so that we can overcome these things. We are told today in our devotion, lose no time. Let not another day pass into eternity. But just as you are, whatever your weakness, your unworthiness, your neglect, delay not to come now. The call of Jesus to come to him, the presentation of a crown of glory that faded not away, the life, the eternal life that measures with the life of God has not been sufficient inducement to lead us to serve him with our undivided affections. So why are we told not to lose any time? These are solemn words. The reason is because we don't have time. Ministry of Healing, page 454 says, We have no time to lose. We know not how soon our probation may close. At the longest, we have but a brief lifetime here. And we know not how soon the arrow of death may strike our hearts. We know not how soon we may be called to give up the world and all its interests. Eternity stretches before us. The the curtain is about to be lifted. But a few short years, and for everyone now numbered with the living, the mandate will go forth. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Revelation 22 verse 11. Are we prepared? Have we become acquainted with God, the governor of heaven, the lawgiver, and with Jesus Christ whom he sent into the world as his representative? When our life work is ended, shall we be able to say, as did Christ, our example, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou givest me to do, I have manifested thy name. 
the angels, that's John 17 verse 4 to 6. The angels of God are seeking to attract us from ourselves and from earthly things. Let them not labor in vain. Minds that have been given up to lose thought needs to change. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 to 16 The thoughts must be centered upon God. We must put forth earnest effort to overcome the evil tendencies of the natural heart. Our efforts, our self-denial and perseverance must be proportionate to the infinite value of the object of which we are in pursuit. Only by overcoming as Christ overcame shall we win the crown of life. End of quote. This is an illustration of why we need to waste no time. Whatever you are, however your life is, whatever weaknesses you have, don't postpone the letting of Jesus into your life and by the way that means allowing the word of God to transform you you know what the word of God says you should do stop postponing it you may die today you have no assurance that you are going to see the next few hours and that's the reason why we should continually abide in Christ that's the reason why we should continually give ourselves up and over to him that we may live the life of repentance and of the sons of God Why are you stopping the word of God from having an influence? Why are you stopping him from coming in? The word has been knocking at the door of your heart. Let me come in. He will not force himself in. But we put a lot of rubbish to block the way for the word to come in. We need to remove the things that are blocking the entrance of the word of God. The things that bars Jesus from entering in. When we don't remove these things, we cannot let Jesus come in. In our devotion today, it was said this way, be no longer on Satan's side of the question. Make, hear this, make decided radical changes through the grace given you of God. That is what we should do. The radical change means to remove those things that are stopping Jesus from coming in, that is stopping the word of God from changing your life. Because every time you hear the word of God, it is a knock. We read in our devotion in that I may know him in page 55, we read this, paragraph 2. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation 3 verse 20. The world redeemer illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit upon the human heart. The living agent, by an act of faith of his own, places himself in the hands of the Lord for him to work in him his good pleasure in his time. There must be a continual exercise of faith to be in Christ and keep in Christ abiding by faith in him. And it says this is a training process, a constant discipline of the mind and heart. So what I'm saying here is for us to let Jesus in, we need to remove those things that block the way. Hear this now to explain what these things are so that Christ can come in. Our high calling, page 352, paragraph 3 and 4 says, Every warning, reproof, and entreaty in the word of God or through his delegated messengers is a knock at the door of the heart. 
It is the voice of Jesus asking for entrance. With every knock unheeded, your determination to open becomes weaker and weaker. If the voice of Jesus is not heeded at once, it becomes confused in the mind with a multitude of other voices. The world's care and business engross the attention and conviction dies away. The heart becomes less impressionable and lapses into a perilous unconsciousness of the shortness of time and of the great eternity beyond. I'll continue the reading, but do you see how this is related to what we have been seeing in our devotion? We were told, lose no time. Do you know why? If you take much time to allow Jesus to come in, if you delay while you are hearing reproofs, whether from this devotion, from the Word of God, from the Bible, these things represent the knocking, every warning, every reproof, every entreaty in the word of God as you are reading or when you are hearing it from the delegated messengers of God, those things represent Jesus knocking in. And that is the voice of Jesus asking for entrance. And the only way you can let him in is to allow those words to make a change in your life. If you delay and do not make the changes needed, you will continue, confuse the voice of God with a multitude of other voices. Let me finish it now. The reading continues to say, Many have so much rubbish piled up at the door of the heart that they cannot admit Jesus. Some have difficulties between themselves and their brethren to remove. Others have evil tempers, pride, covetousness. With others, love of the world bars the entrance. All this must be taken away before they can open the door and welcome the Savior in. End of quote. Now, the thing is that, in our experience as sons of God, the knock continues. And the knock represents the warning, the reproofs, the entreaties that we hear from the word of God. The knock today may be different from the knock tomorrow. Today, God knocks. He knocks at the door. And when he knocks, what do you hear? You have an evil temper. Give it up. And when you don't give it up, you are in trouble when you don't do it immediately. He knocks again. And you hear... You have pride in you. There's covetousness in you. That is the word of God knocking at the door of your heart. You need to let him in. That means you need to be changed. You need to let Jesus to come in and remove that pride. You hear him knock and he tells you, My sister, my brother, the relationship you have been in, you are being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Oh, now he comes close to the heart. You need to end that relationship. Oh, the pain. Will you let him in? He tells you, that person you are planning to marry, nope, that is not my plan for you. Give it up. Radical change is needed. Will you let him in? The love of the world, he tells you, you need to stop this jesting, joking, entertainment and all of that. You need to stop it. Will you let him in? Oh, your idols now are being touched. These are the rubbish that is stopping Jesus from coming in. He says, I cannot come in until you remove that. Jesus is constantly knocking. And then he sees in you a superstitious belief. And he says, what is this thing here? Take these things hence. Drop all these your superstitious beliefs. And for many, it's difficult for them to drop it. He says, drop it. Look at what my word says. It is contrary to your idea and what you believe. It's a rubbish you have piled at the door of the heart. Drop it so that I can come in. Your traditions, your indulgences, your erroneous doctrines and heresies. 
take them away. You are saying that the law has been done away with and I say unto you, don't think that I came to destroy the law. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. The law is still binding on you. Take that idea away. It is stopping me from coming in. We need to take all these things away. And the Lord says, he comes to your wardrobe and he sees all your clothes and then he starts to select them one by one. This one, take it away. And you say, I bought it with a large amount of money and Jesus says to you, I cannot come in unless you remove that dress. And then he says, as if it is not enough, you are eating your food. And even your food, your plate. What are you eating? These things, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and you are taking alcohol and you are smoking and you are eating foods that will harm your body, that will not keep you in good health. If I must remain in this place, you have to change your diet. What will you do? The question is, will you let him in? Will you let him in? Or will you fight him and say, Jesus, get out of my house. Enough is enough. You are making too many changes in my life and I cannot bear it again. Please, you can leave. Or will you humble yourself like our Lord Jesus and make the radical change? Break that engagement. Change that dress. Change the day of worship and know that you should keep the Sabbath holy. Make the change in your ideas and your plans. It is you who would answer. It is you who would answer. Will you let him in or will you drive him out? By our actions, we are either driving Jesus away or we are letting him in. But how can all these things that is blocking the way be removed? We read from our high calling, page 277, paragraph 4. Our study of God's word, which is eternal life, to the receiver, would invigorate and strengthen the mind. But too often, the grace of Christ finds the right of way obstructed by the mass of rubbish which has been allowed to accumulate in the mind. The mind is not kept hungry for the blessed word, which must be eaten in order for the thoughts to be pure and holy. End of quote. We need to study the word, for this is the only way that we can, the word can uproot the rubbish that has piled up in our hearts. I come back to the question, as Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, and telling you, you need to make radical changes for me to come in. Will you let him in? I encourage you, let him in. Make those changes. Remove the pile of rubbish, the mass of rubbish that has piled up at the door that is stopping Jesus from coming in. Your erroneous doctrines, submit it to the word of God and change them. Your superstitious beliefs, submit it to the word of God. If it cannot be sustained with the word of God, stop holding on to those beliefs, please. For the sake of God, for the sake of your own salvation, stop believing things that are not substantiated with the word of God. It is a pile of rubbish that is stopping Jesus from coming in. Many, because of their superstitious beliefs, cannot practice love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Bless those that curse you because they believe superstitiously that they are enemies are doing this and that to them and they want to destroy them and all of that and they cannot love drop those things change your ideas change your plans break that engagement i encourage us let jesus in and you will be happy that you did why because god will give us eternal life a life that measures with the life of god 
that I may know him, page 56, paragraph 4, the call of Jesus to come in, the presentation of a crown of glory that faded not away, the life, the eternal life that measures with the life of God. Though it says it has not been, but I'll say, let this be sufficient inducement to lead us to let him in so that we can serve him with undivided affections. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, it's a struggle for us to let you in. We have been chasing you away unknown to us and we have been doing it angrily, vehemently. We have been doing it like those Jews who when they heard you preach about eating your flesh and drinking your blood said, this is a hard sin. Who can hear it? And many of us have been offended at your knock. We have been offended at the words of reproof. We have been offended at the things we read in your word. Lord, we pray, forgive us. Because many of us do not know that when we despise your word, we are actually bundling you and chasing you out of our houses and saying, get out of my house. I cannot hear this. We are sorry, Lord, please forgive us for the attitude we have had to your knock, for the attitude we have had to your plea to come in. Please, Father, forgive us. Help us to humble ourselves and allow you to come into our lives and transform us and change all our practices that are not in harmony with your word and all our beliefs that are not in harmony with your word, that we may be sons of God. Do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at tawas.org